Hello and welcome to the Scrimba podcast. On this weekly show, I speak with successful devs about their advice on learning to code and getting your first junior dev job. My name is Alex and today I'm joined by the impressive Kennedy. Kennedy is a new mum, Scrimba student and recently hired junior dev. This is actually a big success story for Scrimba and one we're really proud to share because Kennedy completed our front-end developer career path and that gave her the skills and confidence to start applying for jobs. I had just finished the front-end course. I was like, I guess this is as good as time as any. If I got the right opportunity and they were willing to mentor me, I would be ready. As you will learn in this episode, it didn't go great at first, but Kennedy persevered and stayed close with the Scrimba community and was actually open enough to take on some extra responsibilities in our community, including reviewing other students' code. I love it. It's just amazing to interact with the students on Scrimba. Looking at their code, I was like, this is where I was just a few months ago. Now, I'm not going to spoil it too much, but suffice it to say, when the opportunities eventually came, Kennedy had a portfolio, a nice resume, and some light technical work experience reviewing other students code at Scrimba. In other words, things started slow, as they do, right? A snowball starts small, a boulder rolls slowly till it builds momentum. And then when the opportunities eventually came, Kennedy was open-minded enough to identify those opportunities and of course, prepared enough to succeed. They pretty much got back with me in like a couple of hours and they set up an interview and I was like, this could be it. This is really inspiring and we had a super fun chat as I just know you're going to enjoy and learn from. You are listening to the Scrimba podcast. Let's get into it. I wanted to be an air traffic controller. So I actually got my degree in uh, aviation operations, but it's hard to get into the field because it's like a government job and they only really accept application once a year. I kept just not getting the job year after year. So kind of was like discouraging and I've always worked in like the food industry. So I was a manager um, at a hotel near Disney World, actually. <laughs> that was kind of a fun time, but it, it wasn't really, you know, my passion at all. Like I'm not really a people person, especially like customer service. So I, I always knew that I didn't want to stay in the hospitality industry, but I was just like, I had no clue what I was actually passionate about. So it took me a little bit of time to actually figure that out. When I was uh, the manager at the hotel, I met my husband. Then about a year later, we had our son. And so I had a whole year off for uh, maternity leave. And that's when I was like, okay, I need to figure something out. There's no way I'm going back to working in a restaurant or a hotel. I was just like so over it. So, you know, you do that Google search of what can I do from home? What, <laughs> what pays the most money without getting a college degree? So my husband told me about UI UX design. So I had actually started a boot camp on that. But it just wasn't exactly what I wanted. They weren't teaching me to code or anything. And I'd heard about coding before and I thought it would be something I like because I like, you know, solving puzzles and that kind of thing. And just overall, I really love learning. After about a month of the, the UI UX boot camp, I was like, okay, I don't like this. And at the same time, I was actually on YouTube and I found Gary Simon and I was following one of his HTML, CSS crash course. And that's where I first really 
started to code. And that was, I think, about August of last year. And I think he mentioned Scrimba. And from there, it's history. <laughs> was it a difficult decision to sort of leave the boot camp and pursue a self-directed roots instead? Yeah, a little, especially because me and my husband were both taking the UI UX boot camp and we both like we just both hated it. Um, and we'd already spent like a couple thousand. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> but we we just we both knew we're like, OK, we can't we're not following this. This isn't wasn't for us. So it almost felt like a relief when I found coding because I was like, wow, this is it. This is what I really want to do. And I never felt like that before. So I didn't have to motivate myself to study at all. Every spare moment, every time the baby was like taking a nap, I was like, okay, time to code. That's when you've really won, I think, when, you know, it feels like play almost. But learning to code alongside being a parent and presumably a first time parent, that is tough. Like that sounds really hard. Yeah, it was it was really tough. Like my son, he cannot sleep unless he's like on top of me and um, nursing. So a lot of times I would have to have my laptop in one hand and then he would be on my other arm. So I would be literally coding one handed. No way. Just because because I wanted to get hours like studying in. So <laughs> I have the newfound skill of uh, coding with one hand. <laughs> that is a good skill to have. Well, you're not worried for like his first words would be Flexbox or, you know, CSS grid or something. Well, hey, I mean, start him early, especially with all the requirements for jobs. Now you need like 10 years experience at 18. Hopefully he likes coding. That'd be awesome. You could be like a coding duo one day. He can code alongside me. Yeah, wicked. Pair programming is the newest family bonding activity. I like it. Yeah. And so it sounds like you discovered Scrimba around this time. Did you jump heads first into the front-end developer career path? Where did you start and at what point did you get involved with the Discord community? And, you know, at Scrimba we do a few things, right? Like the podcast and YouTube streams and stuff. I'm just kind of curious to learn how you approached it. I think it was like the end of August. I signed up for the pro membership of Scrimba and then and I just jumped right into the front end uh, developer path because I really like, you know, it gives me like a roadmap of what I need to learn because it can be super confusing. Like when you're just looking at YouTube and there's you don't even know where to start. So I think Scrimba really gave me a good idea of what I needed to be learning and it kept me on track. Along with the career path, I would do, you know, a little my projects on the side. Just it gives you extra practice. And what I did that really helped me with Scrimba is I would code along, you know, in the scrim. But then after the whole lesson was done, I would go off into my own VS code and um, do the project from scratch. And I think that really helped me keep all the information in and everything. I can't shake the feeling that you had this like tenacity about learning to code, like you're approaching it, you know, full speed ahead. Did at any point any sort of self-doubt or imposter syndrome creep into it? Or were you just so laser focused on where you were going? It didn't even occur. I mean, at times, yes, uh, I had doubts, especially, you know, I was tired all the time. I was a new mom. I was like, there's no way I can ever make it. You always like have this image in your head of the hacker or coder as like a super genius. So it's kind of daunting. 
I had days like that, but most of the time I was just super focused on getting through the career path. And that's the good thing about the career path. It kind of gives you like an end goal. You're like, okay, if I can make it through this career path, then I can find a job, you know? So you just kind of keep, it helps you keep focused, I believe. 100%. And it's interesting you said you love learning because I love to learn too, by the way. And I, I have friends and I've interviewed people who love to learn. And if you love to learn, you get pretty good at learning, I feel like, because you, you practice it and you sort of understand a bit how your brain works and things. And you almost build this like confidence. Well, I've, you know, learned things in the past. I can learn something again. Does that reign true for you at all? Uh, yeah. I mean, in the past, I've actually taught myself Spanish. So I kind of knew how I like to learn. I think that helped me develop, you know, my uh, knowledge and coding and everything. But mostly I just I like to take in as much information as possible. That's why when I was just like trying to learn from YouTube, it was like almost information overload. So with the Scrimba course, it was kind of more like streamlined. Of course, I did still have my times when I went down like a YouTube rabbit hole of different coding topics and stuff. But it can be kind of overwhelming, like all the stuff you need to know. That did a few times kind of stop me because like I follow all these people on Twitter and they would like, you know, say something about coding that I had no clue what they were talking about. And it just kind of makes you feel like, oh, God, I don't know anything. Joining in the Scrimba Discord community, you see, OK, I'm not the only one who doesn't understand everything. Everybody's kind of like that. You know, I can remember that as well. You know, you spend months learning and you feel eventually like you're making progress. Then you log into Twitter or wherever and you're like, wow, there's still so much left to learn. But there always will be, right? Either because you're focusing on a particular area of tech or because new things come out. I think coding is for people who are not intimidated by keeping their skills up to date and probably not intimidated because they enjoy it. By the way, I really like what you said about taking your learning off Scrimba. I thought maybe that could be a nice segue into your portfolio and the projects you built to support your portfolio. We'll link it in the show notes for anybody who wants to check it out. But could you run us through like your thought process behind the portfolio? You know, some people wonder if it's something they should prioritize. And then a very natural question that follows is like, all right, what do I build to put on my portfolio? So I think for my actual portfolio, I started that when we did the, I don't remember which module in Scrimbo it was, but they have a module where you, he makes a portfolio. And I, at first I just kind of coded along with him and my portfolio kind of looked exactly like uh, his. I'm not sure what the teacher's name is. I think it might be Kevin Powell. Yes. Yes. Kevin Powell. So yeah, mine kind of looked like his. So I would show um, my portfolio to my husband. He he gives me the most honest feedback and he was like, no, it's it's boring. You need to change it. So I actually re like iterated on the design like at least 20 different times to finally come up with <laughs> what I had. I would say I probably spent about like three weeks just tweaking the design throughout the whole time. I was working on projects and I think a couple of the Scrimba projects I put on there as well, like the Blackjack and I think I made a Pac-Man on Scrimba. But I went off on my own because I think employers like this the most when you have like your own personal project that isn't like just you following a tutorial because they can definitely tell if you've done it yourself or you're just following along with a YouTube video. 
My main project I had, it was a React app that I made kind of like a library because I really like books. So it's kind of like if you know what Goodreads is, of course, yeah. you can type in the book name and then you add it to your library. But then I also made like a reading goal thing, like a progress bar of how many books you've read and stuff like that. So in the interview I had... Um, with the company that I'm working with now. He actually had me just walk through my code on that and everything. And he really liked it because, you know, it showed that I want to do projects on my own and am able to complete projects on my own. Coming up on the Scrimba podcast, how Kennedy made history by finding her job through Scrimba, something we've never done before. I was on, you know, Scrimba's Discord and I saw that Pear had posted about a US remote job. I think five minutes after he said that, I messaged him my portfolio. We'll get back to the interview in just a second, but here's a quick reminder that if you are enjoying this episode of the Scrimba podcast, it would be awesome if you shared this episode with with your friends or on social media or in your community because word of mouth is genuinely the best way to support a podcast that you like and ensures we keep doing our thing a big thank you in advance if you haven't already it would also be great if you left a rating for the scrimber podcast in spotify or apple podcasts depending on where you get your podcasts this is a weekly podcast that comes out every tuesday without fail and next week i'm talking with shannon brown a technical recruiter this is what we scrimber the podcast is all about learning from recently hired developers like Kennedy, but also from the other side. Recruiters tend to come from a variety of backgrounds. You'll see recruiters that are coming from sales or coming from customer service, but very rarely those backgrounds are technical, right? And a big piece of recruiting in the technical space is having knowledge of what you're talking about. So being willing to dig in and really learn that job is important. We're often met with a performance performance guideline, right? Of how many positions have you filled for the company? And, you know, it's numbers, numbers, numbers. And that's where the distrust comes from. As a recruiter, if you allow those numbers to take over your focus, sure, you're going to churn and burn through candidates and you lose that connection or that focus on the fact that those candidates are people with lives. That is next week on the Scrimba podcast. So make sure to subscribe as not to miss it. Back to the interview with Kennedy. What gave you this sort of impression that employers can tell if you're just basing your work on tutorials? I watched a lot of YouTube videos, I'm not going to lie, just about like portfolios and what employers are like looking for. And honestly, in my actual interview, he kind of touched on that too. But it was mostly YouTube research. I do a lot of research on YouTube. I don't know what people did before YouTube, honestly. Whether I need to like change a tire or, or learn how to use arrow functions, it's a YouTube video almost every time, unless there's a scrim. At what point did you feel like you were ready to start looking for jobs? Like, was there that moment where you woke up and you were like, today's the day, like I'm ready to apply for jobs. How did you think about it? I started applying in about January, which I had just finished the front end course. I was like, I guess this is as good as time as any. I wouldn't say I felt super ready, like I was some super coder or anything. But I was like, I think I have enough skills that I could, you know, if I got the right opportunity and they were willing to mentor me, I would be ready. You got to kind of get over the imposter syndrome a little bit and just put yourself out there. And what did that look like for you? Like, how did you put yourself out there? I'm wondering where you found jobs to apply to and what was your strategy to, to sort of get your foot in the door? I did a bad job at this. I was quick applying on Indeed and LinkedIn and 
about two to three months I was doing this and I didn't really get any responses. I mean, I had like a cover letter and my resume and I would tweak my resume, but I was mostly just doing the quick apply and I wasn't networking as much as I should. I did start posting a little bit more on LinkedIn just about, you know, the struggles of trying to find a job. And I would get a lot of connections from that and people start talking to you and actually recruiters will start messaging you as well. But they would always um, the recruiters would always message me and they would have these super high like job requirements. And I wouldn't even respond to them because I was like, (laughs) I don't have these requirements. And it just made me feel like. I was like, oh gosh, maybe I'm not qualified. (laughs) But you pushed through, clearly. Yeah. I was on, you know, Scrimma's Discord and I saw that Pear had posted about a U.S. remote job looking for developers. So I, like, I think five minutes after he said that, I messaged him my portfolio and right away he sent my um, portfolio directly to one of the lead developers on the team at the company I'm going to be working for now, so... That's remarkable and maybe even like historic for Scrimba. Like we're all about helping new developers learn to code and break into the industry, but being quite a small team and early company, you know, we put so much attention into the curriculum, the modules and the community, like tackling that part where we can like connect students with employers. It's just an opportunistic thing. You know, I think the opportunity came about, somebody messaged Per, and of course he was happy to like share the the job ad or the opportunity to connect in Discord. I'm just so excited. took the opportunity. Do do you know what I mean? Like if you'd have talked yourself out of it somehow or thought maybe I'm not ready, like this never would have happened. How crazy would that have been? I know. I just, I felt like super excited. As soon as Pear sent off my portfolio, they pretty much got back with me in like a couple of hours and they set up an interview and I was like, this could be it. Like I hadn't even had an interview up until that point. So I was of course nervous, but I was like, I feel like I just had a really good feeling about it. Why? Was there anything, any indicators that you can reflect on? Well, well, because I actually got a response. That's a good indicator. (laughs) This is my first response. (laughs) This is going to be it. (laughs) One interview and done. (laughs) But no, I just, I was like, I have the support of Scrimba, I felt like, and, you know, maybe he put in a good word for me. So I was like, I feel like I got this. Well, yes, lest we forget that you took on some responsibility at Scrimba as a code reviewer. It's difficult to sort of share all the contacts to people listening, but what it is basically is an opportunity for students to share their projects with either a Scrimba teacher or a dedicated code reviewer like yourself, Kennedy. And well, I know that came about because you, again, took an opportunity. All the details aside, right, people can check out the solo projects and the code reviews if they want to. I'll link some more information about that as we recently wrote a blog post on the subject, you had the portfolio ready to go, right? So when the opportunity came, you could use that to sort of demonstrate your skills. You kind of went out your comfort zone, I assume a little bit, sort of connecting with Gil and working with Scrimber. And then obviously then when the opportunity came uh, for Per to send your profile over to somebody, I don't know what the messages looked like, right? But I'm sure there was some context there about, hey, you know, this is Kennedy, she's a student, but also has these responsibilities. Do, Do you see what I'm getting at? Like, I think it's so exciting for people listening, just taking these small slightly uncomfortable opportunities gets you closer and closer to where you're going every time. 
Yeah, well, it was actually crazy because, as I said, I hadn't had any opportunities for like, you know, two or three months of just applying. And then pretty much at the same time, I applied to be the code reviewer at Scrimba and Pear posted about the job that I'm at now. And it was just kind of like crazy. I was like, I have all these opportunities at once. It just felt amazing. I was like, my hard work is finally paying off. And honestly, with the code reviewing, I was like, I could do this for free. I just I love it's just amazing to interact with you know the students on scrimba looking at their code i was like this is where i was just a few months ago like i kind of felt how much i had improved from you know the beginning of scrimba to the end just by you know being a code reviewer i was like yep all these you know little mistakes that they're making i used to make too and i'm probably still making some of them but (laughs) you know it's a constant learning process i couldn't agree more with you and i and i think for anybody listening this must be it must be so inspiring, I think. The only thing that I want to dig a little bit deeper into is the interview process itself. Obviously, you had quite a warm introduction to the company. They could kind of like evaluate your skills a little bit based on your portfolio. What did that sort of interaction with the company look like? Did you jump on a Zoom call and where did things go from there? So Pear sent in my portfolio and then they contact me the same day to set up an interview It was like about a week from that day and it was going to be on Zoom. So I was, of course, super nervous. And pretty much that whole week I was looking up like developer interviews on YouTube and (laughs) just trying to cram all the information in my head that I could. But I think, you know, I kind of over prepared almost like and that can actually hurt you sometimes because it like takes away your natural like how natural you are talking with your interviewer and stuff. But the actual interview, like it was actually way more laid back than I was expecting. The guy, Andrew, who was interviewing me first, he started off by telling me about their company. And then he talked about his family life, his how he got to be a coder and stuff like that. And then I just jumped in and talked about my family life, my coding experience and, you know, scramba and everything. So it was it was kind of natural. It's kind of like having just a normal conversation. And I think that kind of helped me a lot. And then we did get into a kind of like a technical discussion towards the end of the interview. He had me uh, walk through a couple of my projects and like talk about the code and how I got to each decision to use a specific line of code. And so I think that was where he really assessed like like my skill level. And he could definitely tell like I was a junior, but nowhere in the job description did it actually say that it was a junior position. The I think the title is like web application developer. So I was a little nervous about that because nowhere it said it was a junior position. He asked me the question, do you know what SQL is? And I was like, uh, <laughs> I was like, I've heard of it. <laughs> I've never worked with it though. <laughs> But he was like, you know, that's definitely something you would have to learn for this job because our whole team is full stack developers. So we would want you to be a full stack developer. And I just, you know, I made it clear to him that I was super motivated and I was actually like excited to learn. And I think that made a really good impression on him. We ended that interview like on a really good note. And I think about A week after that, they emailed me again to set up a second interview. This was going to be with like the VP of technology or something like that. So I was like even more nervous because I was like, okay, this guy's like one of the heads of the company. And um, I kind of freaked out a little bit. But again, it was for nothing because it was a super laid back conversation. 
he told me about himself and more about the company. And then I just went over my background and we actually, you know, we laughed a little bit, which I think that kind of when you have a laugh with your interviewer, like it kind of loosens, pops the bubble a little bit. You know, you it just feels more natural with that interview. It was we didn't have anything more technical. Like at that point, they already knew like my skill level. They were trying to just assess like how motivated I was and if I wanted to learn, you know, and I made it really clear. And I think that's overall what got me the job. So after that interview, um, it was almost two weeks, which like waiting is like the worst part. I'm like, just make a decision. Just tell me. And then they set up another or what I thought was going to be an interview. But it was actually just them offering me the job. As soon as they got on the call, they're like, yeah, we want to offer you the position. And I almost like started crying right there. (laughs) But it was super amazing. And honestly, my interview process like I actually enjoyed it and I felt like I really got to know like my interviewers which I think it's important for your interviewers to like you on a personal level because they're going to be working with you as a team and they want to make sure you function really well in the team and that's almost more important than like my actual technical skill because as I said they wanted me to be a full stack developer so they told me You know, we're going to give you um, all the resources so you can become a full stack developer. We're going to get you classes and um, mentoring with the other um, coders. So I'm really excited for this opportunity because I feel like I'm just going to learn so much. I totally relate to that feeling of like waiting to hear back from a company. It's like this limbo, but I'm sure people listening can identify with two. You almost like, oh, my email push notifications working. Let me check. And you just kind of check a couple of times every hour. But obviously, when you got the news, that was just tremendous. We can speculate, but at the end of the day, their interview process showed how much emphasis they put on like the collaboration and the person they're working with. It was more heavily skewed towards getting to know you beyond just verifying your tech technical ability, which of course you made it easy for them by preparing your portfolio. I think that's wicked. And so what, you you got the offer basically and you're starting soon. Yeah, I'm starting next week. I'm just waiting for them to send me all my equipment. So super excited. And very cool that they're like investing in you already, sort of deciding you're a good investment because you have the front end skills and you're well on your way. But when it comes to SQL in particular, they're, they're sort of sharing resources with you and encouraging you to skill up in those areas. I mean, for someone like your who loves to learn that sounds like a match made in heaven i mean they're actually they're like okay you have three months pretty much to learn i know i can do it it's just scary it's like okay you have three months to do it if not we might have to you know go another direction i was like okay that really puts the pressure on but i work well under pressure so (laughs) keeps me motivated i have every belief in you i'm sure you'll do it shame we don't cover sequel on scrimba yet but but one day in the future maybe I was wondering if you could go back to the beginning of your journey almost and speak to your former self, a budding junior developer, you know, deciding whether UI UX is better or development for you. What advice do you wish you had? Definitely don't buy a $2,000 UI UX bootcamp. (laughs) I would start with that. I would just say, honestly, here's Scrimba. Here you go. This is all you need to make a career. And I would just tell myself, like, try not to focus on too many topics at once. Sometimes I would have like a week where I was just focused on so many different topics. I didn't actually learn anything. So especially at the beginning when there's just feels like there's so much on your plate. So I would definitely just say laser focus on, you know, HTML, CSS, JavaScript, and then eventually react. That's all you really need to make it, you know? Yeah, and you're the proof. 
Kennedy, thank you so much for joining me on the Scrimber podcast. It's a pleasure. That was Kennedy, a recently hired Scrimber student. Thank you for listening. If you've made it this far, you might want to subscribe for more helpful and hopefully uplifting episodes with recently hired juniors like Kennedy and industry experts like Shannon, with whom I'm talking next week in what will be episode 64 of the Scrimber podcast. You can also tweet me, your host, Alex Booker, and share what lessons you learned from the episode so I can thank you personally for tuning in. My Twitter handle is in the show notes. See you next week. 